Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space and welcome to episode 134. We are really fortunate to have Jocelyn Clark joining us today. Jocelyn has her PhD in Public Health Sciences and Women's Studies from the University of Toronto, and she's currently executive editor at The Lancet. She comes on today to talk about some of the extraordinary work that she is helping to drive at The Lancet, where this long-held and very powerful and very influential medical journal is undergoing what looks like and feels like a really important pivot driving hard on important global issues, particularly around gender equity. This is a fantastic conversation with a person with true insight, true vision, and a really powerful lever. And we really drive hard in this issue that they put out in February of 2019. It was a gender equity issue, a standalone special issue. It's free. It's available to the public. The links are in the show notes. It's, it's a real step forward, and this was a fantastic and exciting conversation with someone who is going to be really helping to move the needle on this issue as well as other really important global issues, and we get into a lot of that in this conversation. Before we get to the episode with Jocelyn, I just want to invite all of you to please take a look at the website, www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can find the whole archive there, and this episode will be in our leadership and culture pillar. It will also be in our innovation and education pillar. When you go to the website and you click on the about tab, that will take you to the four pillars of explore the space. It's a nice way for us to categorize all of this incredible content that we have. You can find me on Twitter at ETS show. You can find me on Instagram at explore the space show. You can email me anytime mark at explore the space show.com. And you can find explore the space on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Please make sure you subscribe because we've got lots more good content like this episode coming your way. We've also, like I mentioned, got a big archive. This is episode number 134, and we've got evergreen content going all the way back with incredible guests. So I would invite all of you to take a look around and take a listen. Please also take the opportunity to leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform is your favorite. It really helps the show out and it helps new people find us. So if you're able to take a couple of seconds to leave that rating and review, it's much appreciated. I was really, really happy to have Jocelyn come on the show. This felt really special as we talk about the Lance. It's been a part of my life, my entire life. And so for us to be able to spend some time talking about the direction this journal is going and her role in it, really, really fun stuff, really important and really motivating as well. So without further ado, Jocelyn Clark. Jocelyn, thank you so much for coming on Explore the Space. This is very exciting for me. Exciting for me too. Thanks for having me, Mark. Absolutely. I shared with you when we were talking before, my dad, who was the 100th guest on the show, was is one of the longest running continuous subscribers to The Lancet. So The Lancet has been a part of my life since before I was born. And so I've, I've been seeing you know issues of The Lancet sitting around the house. It's really, it fits in the bank of my earliest memories. So this is really, really exciting to now be interviewing the executive editor for this entity that's been a part of my life for so long. So this is very cool. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that. And I'm sure he's got to be one of the longest running subscribers. And it's very cool that as The Lancet prepares to 
celebrate its 200th year anniversary of publishing every single week, that there is a subscriber out there in California who's been um, a loyal reader for more than half, almost half a century. Yeah, it's fantastic. yeah absolutely. So you, in your work, you're, you're the executive editor for this journal that's been around for so long. And, you know, I've obviously, in, I've been in medicine for, for a while here since, you know, started medical school in I'm going to start with 1999. So, you know, I've been looking at journals for a while. So from the perspective of just seeing them sitting around the house is one thing, but then being an active participant in, you know, learning and reading the medical literature, it's pretty clear that over the last maybe 24 months or so, and I would suggest in an accelerated fashion, the Lancet is pivoting. Something's happening at the Lancet. It, it used to be this, just like all the other journals, right? This very sort of staid, here are our papers, here are our editorials, here are our perspective pieces, a lot of basic science, a lot of this. There's something happening at The Lancet. And in your role as executive editor, can you just give us like, what's the one-liner? What's the mission statement behind what we're seeing when we look at this journal? Wow, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear you say that we're... Um you know, pivoting over the last 24 months. And, you know, clearly we've, we've come into the, the radar of your space, which is fantastic. But actually, you know, as I said, The Lancet is almost 200 years old, one of the longest running weekly medical journals. Um, and I think has always had a really strong reputation for both outstanding science and the kind of medical reforming aspect that you, probably what you're seeing um, and that's made it distinctive from um, a lot of other medical journals. I mean, I think actually I, I kind of have a unique perspective on this because I've only been at The Lancet for three years. And I've worked at a couple of other major medical journals, major competitors, actually, of The Lancet. I started my career at the British Medical Journal, which is, you know, literally just up the road from The Lancet, also has been publishing for, you know, over 100 years weekly. And I used to work at the Public Library of Science and um, was a senior editor at their medical journal, which is called PLOS Medicine. So I always sort of observed The Lancet from the point of view of being an editor at um, another journal that kind of competed in that same space. And I think what's very distinctive about The Lancet, a couple of things. For sure, it's always had in its roots a kind of campaigning aspect. In fact, the founding, uh, the founder of The Lancet, which is somebody called Thomas Wackley, who is a surgeon, was also a medical reformer. So that kind of activism um, associated with medical journalism um, has always really strongly been embodied by The Lancet. And I think that continues to this day. It's certainly why I was attracted to the journal. It's certainly the thing that I find most appealing and gratifying about being a professional journal editor is this opportunity and this platform that we have to combine excellence in science with really, really deeply committed commentary and analysis about the world's press most pressing health issues. So uh, that, that DNA of commentary of activism within the social sciences, clearly it informs what's happening, but is it fair to say that the tempo and the volume and the, I don't know, the, the sort of forward facing nature of what the Lancet's doing is different or am I misreading what I'm seeing? No, I, I think that's right. I mean, I think that, 
The way I view it is that The Lancet always had a really strong track record on issues around equity, particularly yeah. health equity. Yeah. And and like other journals in this space, it's needed to, but also wanted to be a global health journal. And I think that's, you know, certainly a trend that I've seen over the course of my 16-year career is how these major medical journals, so in, which, I, which I consider The Lancet, BMJ, JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association, the New England Journal of Medicine, maybe PLOS Medicine, and perhaps Nature Medicine, um, really, really internationalizing their content and their outlook. I mean, this is the the reasons for this are clear. You know, all of yeah. us are, I think, becoming more and more aware of our collective responsibilities to understand um, and to act to improve the world's health. But we're seeing also just um, an incredible um, uptick in the amount of research that's happening. Uh, around the world, including in the global south, and more and more collaboration between institutions and researchers from higher income countries working with with uh, folks who are in developing countries to really get the best grip on um, the problems in global health, but also the solutions. So you're seeing a lot of journals move into that space. The Lancet always had a, a strong commitment to health equity, social justice, had this kind of campaigning, reforming type of outlook. Um, and with successive editors, and in particular, our editor-in-chief now, Richard Horton, who's been editor-in-chief for 20-some years, this has really, really become the, you know, the unique selling point, the very distinctive um, character of The Lancet. More recently, I think what you're seeing, Mark, which I'm very excited about and very proud of, is that we're moving into the leadership space around gender equity. This is one aspect of I think of moving into is an undersell, Jocelyn, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. Because I want to start with that February 9th issue. Sure. You're not moving into it. I think you've taken over that corner, planted your flag, and basically said, this is us. We're, we, we're going to position ourselves as the ones that are going to drive this conversation. That February 9th, 2019 issue – I don't remember ever seeing something like that. And so people are aware of what we're talking about, right? There's the, there's the project hashtag Lancet Women. The February 9th issue basically goes through the full rundown of issues in gender health, in gender equity, in medicine, outside of medicine. It was a monster issue. Yeah, it was. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just delighted to, to hear your positive feedback about it. And I think, I mean, in so many ways, it is, you know, one of the most extraordinary things I've ever been involved in, in my career. That's um, great to hear. It, yeah, it is, it is in, in so many ways, just the expression of, you know, everything that I care about as a as a scholar, as an editor, as a journalist, as, you know, a person who lives in this world and cares about um, social justice, the way that that project came together and evolved is just, was just amazing. So it was the idea of Richard Horton. It was um, spearheaded by myself with my colleague, uh, Liz Zucala. Um, 
And we, you know, as you said, it turned out to be a monster theme issue, but actually we called for papers thinking that we would do a single issue of the weekly Lancet. Um, we ended up getting over 300 submissions, wow. which was about three or four times what we expected. And we ended up producing a theme issue that was almost twice the size of a normal weekly issue. Yes, it was, yes. You know, um, just like, like you said, it's like a, it, there's a thud when you, you know, <laughs> totally. put, put it on, put it on your desk. Um, but, but it went, it went far, far, far beyond what you usually see in the medical or right. scientific right. literature about gender equity. This is not just about, you know, men and women, women having different health experiences or health outcomes. This is really about trying to shatter all myths, all notions of gender equity within these institutions of medicine, of science, of global health. And we were very, very clear that we were taking a critical structural approach to this. You know, these, these often well-intentioned, um, but largely ineffective sort of um, band-aid solutions to gender equity issues, which include things like mentoring programs, you know, better maternity leave, leadership training for women, you know, all these programs that, you know, effectively are just like fix-it women um, programs, you know, are just not creating the kind of progress we need to see in this area. So we were very determined to take a more broadly structural um, approach and to take an approach that said, you know, this is about um, the lack of value that's being placed on women's contributions to public life, um, to their ability to contribute to these institutions, and that really it's the institutions that need to change, not women. What I liked about the issue, what I liked the most about it, was really a lot of what you said that this was about very broad strokes, but you just kind of circling back to how we started, right? This was part for me, at least seeing how the Lancet is evolving. And there seemed to be some very deliberate underpinnings here where, first of all, the issue is free. Anyone can get it. That's not normal. That's very cool. Not normal. Secondly, looking just, it, it was a pivot from, the article being inward facing into the world of medicine, to me, at least now it's rotated 180 degrees to be very outwardly facing. This issue is for everyone. And the editorial at the top of the issue, feminism is for everybody. That's the, that's the editorial that opens the, the special issue. So we struggle, I think, in medicine and then we struggle in the health sciences with getting what I like to say, getting our best stuff forward. We put it behind firewalls. We bury it in PubMed hell. We, we don't make it accessible. There's a lot of journals that say this content is intended for healthcare professionals if you were to happen to land on the website, which to me is just insane. This issue went in the entirely different direction. The articles are all very open to anyone who might be interested in there and they're crafted as such. This is a super smart and B it felt, it felt very intentional. And when I see that intentionality, is that, am I, am I seeing it right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm, and I'm so happy to hear you say that. I mean, that intentionality is there on a, on a number of fronts. I mean, one, all our global health content is made freely available 
um, in The Lancet. We felt that this theme issue in all across all article types. So in this theme issue, we had, you know, 150 pages of a lead editorial from the editors in which we, um, you know, put out there very, very deliberately that this, requ this requires a feminist approach. I mean, there's no beating around the bush. Um, and as an aside, I did a talk a couple uh, weeks ago in Vancouver, and I decided to take a look back through PubMed to see how frequently the F word was <laughs> included in the major medical journals. And I found that um, in the last um, 25 years, the F word, which is feminism, had only been included in the major medical literature nine times, what? seven times, yeah, seven times it um, it was in The Lancet. So I looked at, I searched for titles using the term feminist or feminism. Um, so yeah, this is, as you said, this is sort of a rare breed, but what we were absolutely determined to advance and you know, all the research and commentary that we received for this theme issue and which we ultimately published supports that view, that more of the same is not going to advance gender um, equity and diversity. We need to, within medicine and global health, need to be taking more critical perspectives. That means harnessing the insights and the um, theories and the work and the advocacy of people working in the social sciences, in feminist theory, in um, intersectionality, etc. We really need to bring that into these traditional institutions that, you know, it's it's now well shown are holding are holding women back. Um, the whole the whole theme issue had that intentionality of bringing a more critical perspective. We said that when we called for papers yeah. to 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 our readers and to authors that we weren't interested in work that merely described the problem. We felt like the problem had been well described <laughs> for several decades, and I'm sure if you read that call for papers again, you'll sense the kind of impatience that we were feeling. This is Richard, Liz, and myself when we put that together. That, you know, more of the same is not, not going to get us forward. We need to introduce more critical perspectives. And I think we accomplished that um, across, you know, the original research we um, published, but also the really, really strong um, pieces of commentary, um, the review articles that we commissioned. And I mean, there's no there's no, it's, it would be no longer acceptable, Mark, for an institution like, like yours or, or others across North America and Europe and parts of the world to say we don't know how to implement policies or um, practice within institutions in order to redress some of these inequities. I mean, there are proven um, ways to do that. And and the Lancet Women theme issue, um, I think one of its greatest attributes is that it lays out what that toolbox looks like. That's a really interesting perspective. And I, and I really like that where you say, just like a paper gets published that says, we know that the best treatment for this syndrome is this, and it becomes the standard of care, framing the February 9th issue as, we just gave you the answers to the test. You can't, you can't plead ignorance anymore. Here, here's, the, here's the toolbox we're a major journal, right? We're one of the, we're one of kind of the big three or the big four. We just gave you the answers. We gave it to you for free. 
you got to go forward and act. Yeah. And I mean, the other, the other thing to kind of reflect on when you, for me, when you, you know, describe your reaction to the theme issue is that, you know, we, as, as you know, the, the role of a journal editor and, and, and part of my job and part of the job of um, the colleagues I work with is to push the boundaries to contribute to debates yeah. that are contemporary yeah. in in public life and in medicine and global health. And so for this issue, I mean, we could have taken a much more conservative, much more, you know, kind of typical approach to looking at issues of gender and health. But we just, that wouldn't have been satisfying or acceptable to us. We knew that we needed to push this debate forward and recognizing that we have this incredible platform. And, you know, me personally, my feeling is that I have this incredible opportunity to contribute to um, a journal that has that kind of visibility, that has that kind of credibility, that can actually, yeah, you know, get people to to read and discuss and debate our content, we knew we had to push the boundaries. So that's what you're, that's what you're seeing here. I mean, do, we really went and for other it editors and it's not going to, and it's not going to stop here. I yeah. mean, this is, this is the first pass at Lancet women. And, you know, we are absolutely devoted to seeing change in this area. And, and, you know, we're, we, we want to be part of the solution. Do you and the other editorial staff members, when you're together, kind of picking up on this idea of, you know, really trying to push boundaries, do you push each other? And say this is not enough, or hey, we really need to. We're here. We need to try to get there. I, I, I get the sense that when you sit down to you know curate and edit something like this and put together a theme, you know when you look at the when you look at the the February 9th issue specifically, it's like looking at an album where you know the 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 twelve or the fourteen songs, the A side and the B side, like it's it's got a narrative arc to it. And I get the sense that in those editorial meetings that there was real intent. And I were you pushing each other to to get this to a certain place? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, editorial meetings generally are, you know, what you what comes into your mind probably when you imagine what a newsroom looks like. I mean, we publish <laughs> totally. weekly. We we publish weekly. You know, the pace is yeah. very hectic. You yeah. know, we go to press on a Tuesday. But that same day that we're putting one issue to bed, you know, we're, we're contending with everything that's coming up for next week's issue and then doing forward planning for, you know, the week after that and beyond. It's a very hectic pace, a great deal of way more submissions than we possibly have room for. So you're always sort of contending with just having too much coming into the mix and having to be you know, most of the time kind of ruthlessly selective about what you're going to take. And, you know, that kind of takes a village. So we have a very, very large editorial team. Um, we all bring different expertise. We've got clinicians from all type, you know, areas of medicine. We've got basic scientists, public health scientists, we've got a political scientist on our team, journalists, um, people from who come from different countries. I'm Canadian. Liz Zucala, who I'm, who I just mentioned, who worked with me on Lancet Women. She's Australian. Um, people who come kind of from all different aspects of health and and medicine. And so that, that brings an incredible, I think, variety, but also versatility when it comes to the editorial process. There is, as you have detected, you know, an artfulness in addition to 
you know, the science of publishing. And in fact, when you look at something as um, unusual and as special as this theme issue, you know, my, I think of my role in putting this together as kind of having curated that theme issue totally. as much as anything. So, totally. so, so you're right from that piece of cover art that uh, Richard Horton selected from a short list, which was a piece of art that um, was generated in this amazing project um, in Glasgow, beautiful artist, from the cover art to the cover lines to, yeah, that, that, that lead tagline where, where we very deliberately chose the word feminism, yeah. to all the commentaries, to the order in which we decided to put all those pieces to the very um, selective three, I think three, let me just check, I think three pieces of original research. I mean, that comes, as I said, close to 300 submissions. So we ended up with three original research articles, all of which are sensational, and I think will stand the test of time. And in, in fact, one of those research articles we've just learned has resulted in a major federal funder changing their policies about how they assess grant applications. I mean, wow. so it's astonishing. Yeah. So the whole thing, um, yeah, was very, was very deliberate. And I think it was, you know, it's very much a special project, but it reflected a lot of, of, uh, you know, it, it reflected a lot of what, what kind of value and, and, uh, unique kind of, um, competencies, I guess, that editors bring to this whole enterprise of, of publishing. I really do like the analogy of you and the team created an album. And I know that there's been something of a renaissance of music kind of coming back on vinyl and that whole, the whole, the whole part of it, right? You grab the album, the cover art is amazing. The liner notes are great. And then the music itself tells you the story and takes you on a journey mm. that I think that one of the reasons that appeals to me is it gives a sense of this hopefully being able to cross over and to get out of the medicine and health science oriented audience into a broader audience. And I remember when I saw this, uh, I think I said on social media on Twitter that the Lancet is positioning itself as a really important periodical end of sentence, not for physicians, yeah. not for nurses, not for healthcare executives. It's a really important periodical for everybody. Were you able to jump out of some of those silos? Did this issue cross over into audiences that you either didn't anticipate, hoped you might get and you did, or did it fall short of some of those goals? Um, no, it didn't fall short. I, I mean, I think, I, think you've, I think you've captured something really, really um, significant and I think also captures this moment that we're harnessing at the Lancet. And I hope that we will continue to help lead on it. The, the only way that there's going to be substantial and needed change within the traditional institutions of medicine and, and global health, and I would contend that global health is like more medicalized than it should be. So in these old traditional institutions, the only way we're going to have substantial change there is if we go outside that sphere if we harness um, the insights and the the action and the work um, 
of people much more broadly. So that includes, you know, the social sciences, it includes journalism, it includes politics, etc. Um, and I think the Lancet has always done that well. And on this topic around gender equity and diversity, it's absolutely essential. The second point about that is how is is around our ambition as a medical journal to have um, importance and to demonstrate leadership beyond medicine and science. And I think that um, you know we really benefit from the fact that there is a much larger appetite among the public and among mainstream media for health and science news than there's ever been before. I would agree so with that so 100%. you 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 mentioned uh, my fellow Canadian uh, Jen Gunter um, yeah. when we were speaking before we started um, the podcast. I mean she's the perfect example of that where she comes from a very solid um, medical clinical scientific background and her work um, has huge resonance more broadly in culture. I mean, that's what the Lancet is trying to achieve, um, and you see that you see that in our pages. I mean, I've I'm with you. I'm you know very happy. I'm really proud, and I think it's really necessary that the Lancet publish in these you know spaces that go beyond just medicine and science. And I think. If we were just to take the example of gender equity and diversity, you will probably have seen since the Lancet Women theme issue of February 9th that almost every week there's content that reflects, critiques, stimulates debate on, yeah. uh, on those topics. And I think we're doing that, number one, because we, we know it's needed. And, and that critical perspectives on those issues are needed. Um, and number two, our readers want it. Um, the kind of response we've had for this project um, from our traditional audiences, but also new audiences, has just been incredible. I mean, just incredible. Um from across and from across the world, because this theme issue actually was incredibly international. Yes, and we had we had contributors from something like, you know, thirty different countries. Um, we had some outstanding North American research. Um, well, just look at the correspondence, and, right? The correspondence yeah. is from Ho Chi Minh City, Australia, Yemen, China, and that's just the, that's four in a row. And yeah. that's just in the correspondence. And Cameroon, I'm just I'm scrolling through it right now because I, I every time I look at it, I kind of learn something different. Nepal, it's just incredible. And I think that what you're seeing, and I, what I hope is that that response is is a rocket fuel for what I would really like, quite honestly, to see the Lancet keep doing, which is reinventing itself, and hopefully because of the size and the weight that the Lancet carries, reinventing the genre as a whole. And I think that there's a real opportunity in print media and for, you know, periodicals to really keep doing this. We look at the example of Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue was mm -hmm. Teen Vogue for a long time. Teen yeah. Vogue under Elaine Weatheroth is no longer Teen Vogue. It is an important magazine and an important periodical that people are looking to for information, for stimulation, for guidance. It's publishing really, really smart and intelligent and timely things, most importantly, that the people want. 
And I think that the Lancet has a real opportunity to keep doing that. I had Jeffrey Drazen on the show a couple of years ago when he was the editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine. And he reflected on this, and I could feel from him that it was a tension where I think he wanted to steer the, the, the New England Journal of Medicine in a different direction, but that's not easy work. There's barriers to do it. I think the Lancet just like went like the Kool-Aid guy and just blew through the wall, and the wall is now gone, and you get to do whatever you want. Um, and I think that that's, <laughs> okay, I'm not, that's, I'm not, I'm not sure our publisher would, would, would quite agree with that, but I, but I think you're, I, you take I mean, my I point. Think, I mean, I, obviously I can speak yeah, a little bit of hyperbole, absolutely. but you take my point. I, absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I mean, it's part of the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about being able to be a part of this is yeah, that, yeah. I mean, journals reflect the character of their editors and in particular their editor in chief journals are you know exactly as you've just described they're like a magazine they have special character and 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 most readers of the medical literature would probably be able to say that you know the new england journal of medicine is a rather different medical journal than the lancet and that's because of its editorial character its editorial voice and i think our our editor-in-chief, Richard Horton, um, you know, and I'm so fortunate that what what I care about and what I really feel I can contribute um, as an executive editor at this journal lines up really, really well with some of the priorities and the vision that's been laid down for The Lancet, which is to, you know, continue on this track of um, caring deeply about health equity and social justice and really being a, a, a campaigning journal, but to be able to pivot and really take advantage of these issues around gender equity and diversity is absolutely fantastic. But here's the thing, Mark, one of the best things that I think, I mean, one of the best outcomes I think we could have as a journal um, is not just, you know, have wider coverage, which of course we we, we want and we appreciate, but also to move all the other major medical journals in that oh, direction. Wow. Yeah. So I, and, and I have a very, very good and recent example um, of this, and I feel very strongly about this. About three weeks ago, we chose to write our long leader, so our, our, our long editorial for that week, um, on abortion rights. Yes, and in particular about the U.S. president's decision to defund um, Planned Parenthood right. and to, you know, further implement the, his global gag rule. Right. And in that editorial, which I which I invite you to read and share to your bazillion followers on Twitter. I've read it call, and I will share yeah, it. We, it is, we, I'll just say it's awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's but really important. In, What's important is not only did we did we did we name and um, very strongly and unequivocally support a woman's right to choose, but we also called on other medical associations, professional associations in this space, and in particular other medical journals to demonstrate their leadership and stand up for women's rights as well. I'm so glad that you brought that point up because that was also one of the pieces of this. When we look at this, for me at least, looking at where the Lancet is, that you've created this really interesting branch point and it allows you to do a lot of different things. I In my episodes, I use the term pluripotent a lot. 
and it's usually mm. with respect to an individual. But I think you have just in this reinvention process, intentional or unintentional, you've given the Lancet a pluripotency now. And I think one of those things is to do exactly what you just said. The health sciences, physicians, across all of us across the board, for a long time abdicated in a long in a lot of ways the role of being an advocate, the role of sharing our own opinions, the role of standing up for things that were really important. And nature abhors a vacuum. And so into that vacuum, other forces were able to to grow. Monahana Atisha, who the, she's the pediatrician who did the extraordinary work exposing lead contamination of water in Flint, Michigan. She came on my show and I bring this up a lot. She said, physicians carry megaphones and it's our responsibility to use them. If the mm-hmm. Lancet can position itself as helping all of us to harness the collective voice of those megaphones, that's serious business. Mm. Well, I, I mean, if we could even be a fraction of a part of that, I would be delighted because I, I love that analogy of the, the megaphone. I mean, I think as health professionals, we have so much power. We have so much ability to use our voices. Um, and then we must do that at, at, at every turn. It's our, it's our opportunity, but it's our responsibility. That sense of responsibility for you in particular, I get a sense that it's it's deep seated. I don't feel like you are doing this work because there's an opportunity in the marketplace or, hey, this is the right thing for the Lancet. You've been doing work around global health, around women's health, around gender equity from the beginning of your training all the way back to probably even before you did your PhD. Is there a sense of satisfaction? Is there a sense of completion getting to this point now and knowing that you're so steeped in this and that it's a part of your DNA? Or is this just like another milestone and we're moving forward? For me, it's a bit of both. You know, on one hand, it's really, really satisfying to be doing this work. And I have a feeling of just really loving, you know, the job that I do, which I think combines the science with the journalism in a really incredible way. And I love all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the positive feedback, the critical response. I like being in the mix of the debate. And I really like that we have a platform and we can use it in ways that makes us feel as editors that we're making a difference. As editors, but also um, as scientists, right? You're an yeah, editor, for a- sure. You're the executive editor of The Lancet. Yeah. You're a scientist first. I mean, your basis, your PhD is in the public health sciences. So you're you're that nice fusion of both. You've got a couple of good motivations. And I think that that's really important. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as a journal editor, I, I always feel like, you know, in some ways, like a midwife, you know, huh. that I I get to provide the platform for... Um, outstanding scientists and 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 people who are advocating in this space to express themselves and to kind of use what 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 we as editors and as a journal kind of bring in order to amplify that work and when it creates impact it's 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 super gratifying yeah but then on the other but but the other answer to your question I think is something I've been thinking a, a lot about which is you know, there was a period of probably the first decade of my career where I was just 
plugging away and I worked really, really hard and I had particular areas that I cared about, which were, you know, women, gender, public health, and then, and then very deeply um, global health. But it's really only in the last um, few years and in particular since I've come to The Lancet where I've, where I've really felt like I'm, I'm expressing my leadership in that, in, in those fields that what I do, how I work, um, you know, the projects that, that I help put together, that they actually can make a really big difference in people's lives and they can, you know, really influence and shift how people think about certain issues. You made me smile. Um, and when I, you said and I love that. You made me smile <laughs> when you said you're expressing your leadership because that's what this is. You know, it's you, the rest of the editorial team kind of harnessing this giant, powerful entity, the Lancet and leading it. And then in turn leading us as a community in a very different direction. And I think that looking at it in that way and, and recognizing and taking ownership of we are leading the Lancet is leading this work. And I would submit you're like, you're, you're, you're many, many meters ahead of anybody else in terms of, a previously well-established medical journal taking this kind of a pivot. Um, I hope that you continue to extend that lead, but as you said too, bring others along with you so that they also can realize this is where medical publishing, scientific publishing should be going. We should be forward facing. We should get these incredible writers like Esther Chu and Jen Gunter and Jocelyn Clark and all of these other people forward so that people can find them they can access them, they can read, they can learn, they can respond, they can interact. This is smart. This is how people consume media now. And to not do that and to keep turning inward is a terrible mistake, in my opinion. And the Lancet pivoting like this is really intelligent. And it is, it's good leadership. That's great. I'm glad you feel that way. I mean, that's <laughs> really, um, really, really, really gratifying. And, you know, we're not stopping. We yeah. are moving full, full court press yeah ahead. so give us the if teaser that, if trailer that's the right if that's the right basketball i like it oh hey look full court press hey is, i'm is, a raptors fan so that's now right. have all the basketball <laughs> metaphors <laughs> what, what's the teaser trailer then for you know the, the rest of the full court press what's right we got a long road ahead and as you said this is this wasn't the beginning this wasn't a one-off you don't have to spoil anything i don't want you to step on anything unless you want to um, oh no no spoilers here i got three things for you okay. one one is that you know, instead of this being a special issue, issues around gender equity and diversity are going to infiltrate everything we publish at The Lancet. And I think, you know, as we just discussed, you know, we're seeing editorial matter almost every single week that uh, shows our leadership and gives space for different voices in this field. If you want to read something absolutely sensational, I mean, sensational in the Lancet. Look at Rhea Boyd's piece called The Case for Desegregation, the most beautiful piece of work. It's in this week's Lancet. The second is that on in the February 9th theme issue, the Lancet also committed to a bunch of things that we're going to do internally. Um, Richard Horton and I wrote a commentary in which we, you know, shared with readers what the Lancet is doing on gender and diversity. So we have created a diversity task force and we're doing a whole bunch of work internally to improve the representation of women and people from the global south 
among our authors, reviewers, and editors. And the third thing is um, Lancet Women 2.0, and I can't spoil the surprise, but watch <laughs> this watch this space. We'll we'll soon be sharing with readers what we're doing. All right, that's fair, and that's a, that's a good opportunity for me to send you another email to say come back on the show when when, <laughs> when the 2.0 drops. We can continue right. this conversation. This right. is really it's exciting. It's, extended it's, play. Yeah, this Thank is an you. interesting period. I mean, you're active on social media. I see you on Twitter too. We're all kind of out there. We're all figuring this out. We're, to me at least, it feels like we're just, we're very much at the beginning. This is like phase zero. We're just sort of learning the rules. We're just learning how to kind of do this interaction. For me, it feels like the Lancet is like waking up and realizing, holy cow, I, I can breathe fire. I have I can fly. Look at all this stuff I can do. I got claws. How do I do this? How do I use all these incredible tools? How do I use all of this incredible power and treasure that I've accumulated over almost 200 years of work to now reinvent as something totally different? It's really fun to watch. I have to be honest. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that um, The Lancet is on your radar now. Um, you know, there's probably... 50 other topics um, you yeah. could talk about where the Lancet has really gone out there and breathed fire. Like, you know, at, at the top of the hour, you mentioned the, the countdown issue, climate change, planetary health. Yep. I mean, these are all areas that uh, the Lancet is very, very active in. And so maybe a subject for a future podcast. So I had Nick Watts on. I had Nick oh, Watts. Oh, you did. Of course you did. Yeah. I yeah. listened to that. It was awesome. It was it was absolutely yeah, I mean, fantastic. That I mean that is that in, in a lot of ways is a model project. Yeah, and, you know we're we look to that project when we think about the afterlife for the the Lancet Women Project because they've really been able to you know where that original Lancet commission and publication really sparked um, um, activity in that area, and they've been able to just use that as a jumping point and and really kind of spread their wings. It's very very impressive. If I'm a a smart podcast producer, I need to get in touch with your team and have you on my production schedule like every six to nine months and just lock it in now. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. This is going to be longitudinal work and it's wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time. This is great stuff. We'll have links to all of the things that you referenced in our show notes and, you know, seeing, seeing what the Lancet is doing. It's just wonderful. I've been, as I said at the beginning, I've been looking at the Lancet since I was a little kid. This is a very different journal now. And this evolution and reinvention is very exciting. I really appreciate you coming and talking with us about that journey. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.